Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly of God podcast. Please join us at 9 11 a.m. at the main campus and 11 a.m. at the Monk's Corner, Remount, and North Charleston campuses. Thank you for listening, and we hope that God blesses you through doing so. And God, we just honor you. We honor you this morning, God. We thank you, God, for who you are. We just thank you, God, for your awesomeness today and your goodness in this place. In Jesus' name, the name above all names, amen? The name above all names. Give the Lord a hand clap today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I encourage each and every one of you to be here. I'd like to welcome anybody that's watching by way of TV or the internet this morning. Hey, thanks for joining us. You know, one thing as you work throughout this week, how many have had an incredible time of eating? How many has finally kind of come out of the food coma? Only to go into another food coma this week, right? Isn't life exciting? Listen, I, I, I come to this, the end of this year with an, always an expectation of a brand new year. I don't know about you. I'm excited about what 2013 holds. In my life, in your life, in my family, in your family, in our church, in your church, right? In my business, my work, whatever it may be, I'm excited about what God holds. I think that there are what we call, I want to say, big possibilities. Big possibilities. And I'm excited about that this morning. But I want to start this morning by reading Hebrews chapter 12. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Hebrews chapter 12. A scripture I'm sure that you've heard many times. But this morning I want to maybe shed some light. on maybe what God is going to do in our life, our church in 2013. Listen to what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Lord we are so grateful for your word this morning. And I pray as you orchestrate this service. As it would admonish us this morning during worship. That we are to take our sin before you. That we are to admit our sin. God, I pray that you would help us do that this morning. That we would throw off every sin that entangles us. And that you would help us run this race of life in 2013. That would not please me. But God, that would ultimately please you. And let us look forward to the big possibilities that you have for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. may be seated this morning. You know, when I read this text, I think of one word, and that one word is potential. What does it mean? It really means capable of development into actuality. It means expressing a possibility within your life. You know, John Maxwell says this about potential in his book, 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. Potential is one of the most wonderful words in any language. 
It looks forward with optimism. It is filled with hope. It promises success. It amplifies or implies fulfillment and it hints at greatness. Potential is a word that is based upon possibilities. And then he goes on to say, what about unfulfilled potential? John says that he had a friend whose name was Florence, a speaker and author, who wrote a book, Silver Boxes. And in that book, she describes her father. And she describes her father in this way. He always wanted to be a singer, but never was. Now, let me just pause right there and say this. How many has ever wanted to be a singer, but you never were, was, whatever, you know what I'm saying. Okay, you're lying to me this morning. How many shower singers do we have in the house? That's what I thought. I mean, I'm incredible in the shower. You got that reverb going on. You know what I'm saying? That makes it just sound a little bit better. It's when you step out that it sounds a little different. But listen to what she says about her dad. He says, she says, he died with the music still inside of him. Isn't that an apt description of unfulfilled potential? Not reaching your potential is like dying with the music still inside of you. God, help us. And my challenge to you in 2013 is don't let 2013 pass without some big potential, some big possibility, I would say, being released in your life and maybe from your life. In other words, don't let the potential of loving, giving, and serving die within you. Let it go. I mean, the word says make a joyful noise, right? It may be joyful to you, but it may not be real joyful to somebody else, but let it go. I mean, sing whatever your heart leads you to do. Just do it, right? You see, you have incredible, untapped potential, but be careful. You must not let any any hindrance or weight or sin keep you from fulfilling the potential that God has for your life. Think, Think about this. Did you know that a generation ago, the word sex was a whispered word? Rarely did anybody say it. I mean, it was one of those hidden words that everybody just kind of hid. Don't say that word. And now it's on every TV, radio, newspaper, T-shirt, halftime show. Sex is no longer a taboo word, but the, the S word has lost its rare siding status. And another word has taken its place. You know what that is? Sin. Sin. And what has happened is that saying sin in public is like saying bomb on an airplane. Don't ever say it. So we don't say sin. You know what we say? He messed up. He he made an error in the way he was thinking. There was an infraction. There was a flaw. There was a weakness. Oh, he has an addiction. But we don't say sin. You see, we think sin will pass like a bad cold. We think sin has just kind of disappeared. I mean, think about this. Is it possible that last night while we slept, that the last trace of sin kind of just slowly crept off the planet and left us in an uncontaminated world of Eden? I, I don't think so. I mean, if you were to pick up your post and courier this morning, like I did... For the coupons for my wife. Every Sunday. (laughs) 
You begin to look through it and you begin to see subway death being treated as hate crime. You continue. Some pretty good pictures. Five years free interest interest till January 2018, if anybody's interested. Rooms to go. But they'll appreciate that. Shootings, top list. Gang rape. Suspects face murder charges. You ever notice that? Go through the newspaper. Look all the way through it. And you know what you'll find? Here's what you will find. All kinds of sinful activity. But guess what? Not once did they ever say sin. There's nothing listed. The Bible has several Greek and Hebrew words for sin. Chada, Ava, Pasha. I won't even go on because they're hard to pronounce. Theologians have lots of categories to speak about sin. There's the original sin. There's the individual sin. There's the unpardonable sin. There's the willful sin. You get the point, right? There's sin. You'll also find plenty of people uh, opinionated who have solved the riddle of sin. The morals will suggest that it's about positive thinking. If you'll just be positive in your thinking, guess what? That's sin. Go away. The biologists suggest that maybe sin is in the genes. And it is. I'm sure it is. And in every one of our genes. Politicians suggest that sin is in our social systems. And you know what? I bet it is. TV preachers suggest this. If you'll just touch the screen and send in 30 bucks, then it'll all go away. Religious folk, they have their ideas, right? But think about this. It is time that we deal with sin. It's time that we... Take our responsibility this morning and deal with the sin that we have. We don't have to hide it. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, isn't it great? You read the book of James and it talks about healing. You know one of the verses that we leave out? It talks about call upon the elders of the church. And it also says this, confess your sins one to another. Just take a few moments this morning. Tell someone beside you the the biggest sin that you committed this week. Joking. I am joking. Man. Should have seen your eyes get about that big. Joking. But with your accountability partner, right? Maybe it's time that we open up in 2013. I'm struggling in an area. Could you help me? Could you pray for me? And this is what we need to do. We need to walk into the big possibilities that God has for us. We need to, what the scripture says, run with perseverance with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Don't let those entanglements keep you from reaching what God wants you to be and what he wants you to do. Number one, if you want to fulfill your big possibilities, if you want to follow along in our outline, don't buy the lie. Don't buy into it. What do I mean by that? The lie is the illusion. Think about it. On your way to being and fulfilling the big possibilities that God has for your life, I believe the enemy comes along and he says, look, I'm going to present you with a lie. And at that moment, at that point, we have a decision. I'm going to follow the Lord or I'm going to buy into the illusion or the lie and follow the lie. Am I communicating with you this morning? And that's what we begin to do. So listen to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You know, the Christian runner runner must strip off the sin which so easily entangles him. And easily entangles means the sin that clings, distracts, and trips up the Christian runner. It, It is kind of a picture of clothing flapping 
around a person while he was running. Do you ever notice the sprinters, the triathlon people, they never have a bunch of clothing on, do they? It's always tight. Why? Because they want to be able to run in such a way that there's no hindrance or entanglement that slows them down. What is the sin that entangles and trips you up this morning? What entraps you? And and really, what is the lie? Speaking about God's wrath against mankind in Romans chapter 1, listen to this in verse 24. It says, Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Listen to this. This is so important. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. Who is forever praised. Amen. Have you ever noticed that the sins that easily entangle us, sometimes it happens gradually. And look what happens with the truth. When we exchange the truth, when we have the truth and we are walking in truth, sometimes we will exchange it. Look how this happens. In Romans 1.8, it says that we are capable of suppressing that truth. Acts 20 says that even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth. So truth is suppressed. It is distorted. And in Romans 2.8, it says that we are capable of rejecting the truth and following evil. Look how it gradually happens. Look how we exchange it over. It's, it's suppressed. It's distorted. And then we reject it. And then we follow what? We are entrapped. And we go about the enemy's way. And l- let me just name a couple of entanglements that we embrace far too often that cu- keeps us from fulfilling the potential that God has called us to. And, and I'm going to say, you know what? This is not too uplifting the things that I'm going to mention. But one of those is anger. Oh, man, I wish you wouldn't have thought of it said anger this morning. What is anger? Anger comes about two weeks after Christmas when you get the credit card bill. What? I have no idea. I said 20, not 200, right? And all of a sudden you begin to realize that the anger slips in. Think about this. What could cause a person to strap explosive around his body, walk into a crowded room and kill? What causes a young man to take a gun into an elementary school? What would cause a person to live looking into a bottle their whole life at the end of every working day and feel like there is no hope? Anger. But more importantly, unresolved anger. Anger is much different than unresolved anger. Get this. Anger is deadly and it comes in many varieties. See if you find yourself in one of these varieties. How about this? Crock-pot anger. The lid is on, but what's inside is steaming. (laughs) Don't take the lid off. Blaming anger. It's their fault. I'm a victim. What about the subtle controlling anger? I'll never let anybody, anybody do this to me again. And then there's the powder keg anger. I dare you to push the button. How many enjoys pushing the button every once in a while? (laughs) They're getting angry. And we find ourselves kind of wrapped up in those possibilities. Anger is that emotion that we are not getting what we want or deserve in life. 
that our will is kind of being blocked or frustrated in life, that we are losing someone or something. Anger is that flashing red light on our instrument panel that says, pay attention, something is wrong. And when you look into the word, the Bible has two very interesting words and really kind of a command about anger. It says this, be angry. Think about this, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. In your anger, do not sin. We will be angry, but don't sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. In other words, it says be angry, but don't sin. Be angry, but don't stay angry. Be angry, but don't room with the devil, in other words. Don't let him get a foothold in the door. And come into your life, and then you have unresolved anger in your life. Paul tells us, we will be angry, but what we do with that anger matters so much more. You see, when you get to the point that the anger inside has moved from an emotion to be aware of, to an attitude of contempt, to a destructive deed... You are spent. You get that? You're kind of used up. You're just kind of ready for the trash heap, so to speak. And there is nothing worth or value left in that anger. Guess what? It is unresolved, keeping you from reaching your greatest potential and possibility in life. Because it's unresolved. And most of us, we do this. We take our anger in in two directions, but we should take it in a third direction. We sometimes, we, we take it outward, right? And that outward anger, we begin to do this. It looks like road rage. It looks like yelling. It looks like, man, screaming, a fist through a wall. I know I'm not probably describing anybody in here. It's probably your friends. You ever, you ever been driving down the road and someone just kind of cuts in front of you and, you and you get angry? Have you ever had that happen to them? We have cameras looking and seeing all the hands going up. Just joking. I'm always looking for that bumper sticker that says, if it feels good, do it. That way, when they get in front of me, you can kind of just nudge them. And then when they get out, you just say, I'm just obeying your bumper sticker. It felt great. Thank you. You shake their hand. That's kind of outward anger. I wouldn't try that. How about inward anger? It, it's, it's very different. It looks controlled on the surface. It looks like obsessive worrying, depression, maybe cutting yourself, eating yourself to death, isolation, and the battle is lost in your mind. You see, outward anger hurts others and inward anger hurts yourself. But guess what? Either way, someone's getting hurt. The good news is that there is a third option and that you can take your anger Godward. In other words, be angry and tell God. Be angry, but don't sin. Be angry, but vent heavenward. Give it to God and say, Lord, I can't handle this, but I know that you can. And so all of a sudden you realize the sin of anger is also paired with this heavenly virtue. Guess what it is? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. And you go before the Lord and say, Lord, I am so sorry for what I have done. How does your relationship begin with the Lord? Guess what? God, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life, right? You confess with your mouth. 
It begins with forgiveness. It may be going to someone and saying, listen, I need you to forgive me. I have held something against you and I need you to forgive me because it has become this unresolved anger. And you do that. And guess what? You are freed from the entanglement. And you live to please the Lord. Another entanglement that we embrace far too often that keeps us from fulfilling our potential is this, sloth. I don't think I've ever heard too many sermons on sloth. And it's not that thing that moves real slow, right? It's not the animal. Sloth. It is a reluctance to work or make an effort. Reluctance to work or make an effort. Even laziness could be put on the side of that. Listen to Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12. We do not want you to become lazy. But to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. I want you to see where sloth can lead. When you go to James chapter 4 verse 17 it says anyone then who knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it. It is sin for them. What does that become? It is the sin of omission. There is the sin of commission when we commit the sin purposely. And then there's the sin of omission. We have omitted when we hear God's voice and he tells us to say, hey, you need to go to that person and ask forgiveness. And when we don't, guess what? It is the sin of omission. It's something that we have been asked to do. We know we should do it, but we don't do it. Now listen to this. Sloth could be, and I'm saying it not, it's not for sure. It could be hitting the snooze button repeatedly in the morning. And I saw someone elbow someone in the back. Drinking straight from the milk jug. Oh. (laughs) Leaving dirty clothes on the floor. Okay, guilty. (laughs) We're all done right there, right? It's over. A love affair. With the remote control. Mm. This is this is hard right here. Leaving only two sheets on the toilet paper roll. <laughs> on a more serious note, troubled marriages passing up counseling. Fathers not being a leader in the home. Not making sure that your quiet time with the Lord is, includes the Bible reading and time in prayer. Indifference, not caring. Feeling overwhelmed and then doing nothing. Sloth. Let's take a deeper look into what sloth is. For weeks at a time, we go through the motions, never seriously attending to God, never really focusing on God. Never really turning ourselves over to God. Those thoughts somehow become bearable and then routine and we get sucked into the life of slothfulness. The routine of slothfulness. When we are in that state, guess what happens? God does not seem very real to us. The less we pray, the less real God seems to us, so we don't pray. And the less God... Seems to uh, to us the duller our sense of responsibility becomes. And thus the duller our sense of ignoring God becomes. And slowly something begins to happen to us as we keep filling that God-shaped hole with just stuff. 
like anger and sloth. We we grow tired, we grow cynical, we grow weary, we grow numb. And all these momentary diversions and thrills, guess what? They just no longer excite us. And then all of a sudden this emptiness settles in and it won't go away. Despair follows and we no longer care. We no longer feel responsible in life. We no longer want to try. And at that point, we don't even realize sloth has made its home in our life. And guess what? The unfulfilled potential has finally put a stamp on your life. And all the doors begin to close. And we are stuck in anger and slothfulness and the sin of this world. That entangles us and stops us from running the race that God has laid in front of us. Slowly it begins to happen. The truth is suppressed. This truth is distorted. And all of a sudden we have exchanged the truth of God for this illusion. And it's just a big lie from the enemy. I don't know about you, but I remember as a kid getting this for birthdays and Christmases. But do you remember the little toy that you would get that is a box shape? I think I even have a picture of it today. And when you see it, do you remember the shapes? And you would, as a kid, take that shape, the rectangle, and you would try to put it in the rectangle hole. But as you were a kid, you realized... That you couldn't, you couldn't do it. You're like, you would get the, the rectangle and try to put it in the circle. And you would, and you would get frustrated. And then your parents would sit down beside you and they would take the little shape and they would put the shape in the proper place. And then you would throw your hands up and scream and shout and you really couldn't talk at that point. How many ever, how many remember playing with that toy? Some of you, every, okay, there's some liars in here. You know you played with the toy. You played with a toy. But guess what happens in life? It's the same thing. We have taken a shape and we're putting it in the wrong hole. We have taken our anger and our sloth. And there is a number of other listed things that we could say. And we don't know. It doesn't fit into our life. And it gets stuck in our life. And we're frustrated. And we don't know which way to turn or which way to go. And aren't you thankful for God the Father coming along and saying, listen... That doesn't fit there. Let me take it. And he takes it and he takes my hand and he takes that shape and he slowly places forgiveness into my life. And I run the race of perseverance that has been set before me. You know what God's response to sloth is? Daily routine. You see, the routines that that bore us are the places where God wants to meet us. The routines we want to be done with are the places where God becomes flesh and he dwells among us. We want this instant excitement and God gives us our daily bread. So that time when you open his word, that time when you have that prayer time in the morning, guess what? He's meeting you there. He wants to speak into your life. He wants to have that communion with you, that intimacy with you just in that time. And and you know what? It may just be for 10 minutes. It may be just for five minutes. But it's that time that is so precious that you meet with him. Here's what Lamentations 3.22 says. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. 
And here's the idea. We are to become responsible beings, people to whom God can entrust deep and worthy assignments. Expecting us to make something significant of them. And we have been called into this existence of life to run the race. Expected, awaited to do this, equipped to do this, and assigned by the Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ. But don't buy the lie. Don't live in anger and sloth. Listen to Hebrews chapter 3. It says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Live for the Lord. You know what? The sin of slothfulness, it also is paired with the heavenly virtue, and it is called diligence. Be diligent. Be diligent to the task that he has called you to. Anger and sloth, deadly. But you know what? Given to the Lord, he can do great things and you can fulfill your great potential in your life. If you want to fulfill your great big possibilities in life, I want to encourage you, buy the truth. Did you know that in in Psalms, I love this scripture, it says, buy the truth and sell it not. Buy the truth and sell it not. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2 just simply says, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. When you look throughout scriptures, you'll see and you'll find, who is Jesus? What did he come to earth for? And you'll see in John 14, 6, it says this, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. That's who he is. And I love it that he's described, not in one way, but he's described in the way, the truth, and he's alive. Just in case you're wondering. Just in case you get confused and want to know exactly who he is. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. About a week before he was crucified, they take Jesus, the Jewish leaders, before Pilate. And they're trying to question him, and they're trying to catch him. For doing wrong, but no one really can find anything wrong. And as they question him, I want you to get this picture in John 18, 33. It it simply, get get this idea. Here is the king of the universe coming before a ruler on earth. That's funny to me. And all of a sudden, Pilate begins to question him. And it answers the question for me, is why did Jesus come to earth? And we would all have those answers. Well, he came to seek and save that which was lost. Yes, he did. But listen to this. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent any arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, Pilate said. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, listen to this. The reason I was born, celebrated Christmas, right? The reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Think about that. He came to testify to the truth. Everyone, listen to this, on the side of truth, listens to me. That 
answers an incredible question for me. There is a side that he is talking about. If there is a side of truth, guess what? There is a side of the lie. There is the illusion. And then we got to come to grasp with this. Which side are you living for? Are you living in the illusion or are you living for the truth? Understand that if you're an unbeliever, you, you need to step out of the lie and really into the truth. And, and let, let's answer that question. The unbelievers need to recognize the lie. If you don't know the Lord this morning, guess what? Here's a scripture for you. Second Timothy chapter two. And the Lord's servants must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Listen to this. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of truth, that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil. There's a side who has taken them captive to do his will. The side of the lie. That's the side of the illusion. And you must be able to step out of that lie and into truth. And you can even read the Bible and it gives some very specific things. Of I would say even in Galatians 5.19, it starts talking about what? Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, envy, drunkenness. And we've got to step out of that and into God's plan for your life. The believers and unbelievers need to recognize how to live in truth. How do you live in truth? Romans chapter 12. What is the bridge that takes you from the lie and the illusion to the truth? It's simply this. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will for your life. Did you know when you read the Gospels, 75 times it says in the, in the Gospels, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth. You ever notice that? You've heard it said, but I tell you the truth. 25 times it says this, um, you, mostly in the King James it says, verily, verily. Or in some of the translations it says, truly, truly. Why? Because it is the truth. He is speaking towards Jesus saying, there is truth. Listen, there is a lie and there is truth. We need to live for the truth in life. And that's what God has called us to, is to live in truth. You know, when you go throughout the scripture, you'll see some of those, um, those ideas of when it says, I, I tell you the truth. Listen to this. John 1, 17. Grace and truth come through who? Jesus Christ. It says that we worship the Lord. How do we worship him? In spirit and in truth. The truth will set you free in John 8, right? And then it says Jesus will give us a counselor. The spirit of what? The spirit of truth. So when you encounter the truth, you will be transformed. And when you finally give in to Jesus, guess what? You find out that you are worth something, that you have something, and you can give something in life. Man, that's an exciting place to be in life. When you have something, when you're worth something, and you can give something full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. That's what Isaiah was saying. That was his commission. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar, with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. 
Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And everybody knows this line. And I said, Here I am. Send me. Send me, Lord. Send me. When you see the Lord, three things happen in your life. What is that that happens in your life? When you meet him face to face, right? When you come before him and say, Lord, I want a brand new start. I'm here to give you the anger, the sloth, all the sin. When you're living in the lie and you come face to face with him, what happens? You say this in verse 5. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips. You recognize that you are not clean. And then something else happens. It exposes you. Yes, it exposes you. But it also exposes our culture. And you say this. I live among people who are unclean. And you recognize that you're unclean. The people around you are unclean. But guess what? God redeems it. God sets you free because he is the truth. And you're called into something great. Amen? And then it says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it he touched my mouth and said, Touch your lips. Your guilt is taken away. And he said, he said, Send me. What does that mean? You turn into a world changer. God changes you into a world changer. And you go. And you obey and you live in the truth that God has promised you to live in. And all of a sudden you realize you've got big possibilities with God on your side. Remember what he said this morning, even the worship song, he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, right? God is by your side. And I remember years ago, years ago, my dad was a pastor and he had family. The first place that he had pastored was in Missouri. And then the second place he pastored was in Idaho. And I remember as a, uh, around the age of, uh, of one, going out to Idaho pastoring there with my dad as a kid and i remember as we were going out there god called us to move back to arkansas the third place that he was at and i remember that we would go make frequent visits because he had um friends and so forth but on the way my mom had a, a crazy idea one day she said you know what if we're going to idaho we have some friends in colorado we're going to stop and dad's going to preach at the church and he said she says I want you and your sister to sing. Now you have to understand that every mom thinks that their child can sing. And that's not the case. They can't sing. Right? And so as we were there, she says, I've got this song and I want you to learn this song. I want you to, if you could, and I'm like, man, you talk about stress on a 12 year old, 11 year old kid. I was stressed out. Sing, I'm gonna, I, there's no way I can remember the lyrics to the song. I, I can't sing a lick. And so all of a sudden, I began to um, barter. I'd always wanted a three-wheeler. Man, I always wanted a big red 250 three-wheeler. Anybody remember the big red 253 wheeler Four of us, great. And so I always wanted that, and, 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 and it was kind of a toss-up that... that you know, they thought, you know what, I always wanted a horse or a three-wheeler or something like that. I mean, we kind of lived in this rural area, though it was the city. I'm like, I wanted to, it, was, it would be fun. And so I began to think, you know what, it, she, my mom got so desperate. She said, you know what, I, I'll talk to your dad and just see if, we'll, we'll try to get you a three-wheeler. I just want you to sing. That's a desperate mom right there. <laughs> and so just with the thought of, hey, um, 
I might get through. I can sing. I'll sing whatever song you want me to. Now, are you for sure we're really going to look at this when we get back home? I mean, this is a, you're not just telling me this and this isn't going to happen. No, no, we're, we're going to do this. So I said, okay, man, I'm telling you, what, I was nervous as a cat on a tin roof. We went to that church and that morning we were going to sing. And I'll never forget the song. <clears throat> I am a promise. I am a possibility. I am a promise with a capital P. I am a great big bundle of potentiality. I am learning to hear God's voice and I am trying to make the right choice. I am a promise to be anything he wants me to be. I really got jealous of Pastor Larry singing all the time, so I thought, I got to sing. Now, now you have to try the song this morning. Are you ready? I'm going to lead you in this song. I got words and everything right up here. Why are we doing this? Because 2013 is going to be a, a year of what? Possibilities. Big potential. So you ready? I am a promise. I am a possibility. I am a promise with a capital P. I am a great big bundle of potentiality. And I am learning to hear God's voice. And I am trying to make the right choice. I am a promise to be anything he wants me to be. Amen. You did it. So someone may ask, so what'd you get? The horse or the three-wheeler? I'll show you. The big red. Okay, you can take that down now. Thank you. Listen, I think this year for your life, 2013 is going to be a year of possibilities. Amen. But I think we're going to have to just pause and set aside the entanglements and be honest before the Lord this morning. That's really what I desired this morning is for you just to have an honest moment before the Lord and say, Lord, what do I need to set aside? And then be able to lay those entanglements aside and, and follow him and what he's called you to be. Thanks for listening. For more, check out faithishere.org.